Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. Welcome into episode number nine of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. I'm Price Atkinson, joined as always by my guys, Mike Lovell and Steve Carney. Army is the toast of the town this week as they were the lone victorious of our three. Got a quiet week ahead next week, but we'll get into Army's win, their first over an FCS opponent this season. Navy and Air Force taking one on the chin at home. We'll get into both those games. Of course, we'll give out our game balls, and we'll do our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment where we honor a member, a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice like we do every single week here on Yards and Stripes. are all about Army, Navy, and Air Force, and we're going to get into it in just a second. But, gentlemen, welcome in tonight. Steve, welcome back from out west in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, I got a chance to uh, go out to Phoenix uh, to uh, work a few Arizona Fall League games. Uh, my other job outside of this is that I work for Major League Baseball. And every once in a while, they go, hey, there's going to be something new coming up this year. And we want to make sure that everybody is trained on how to work. And this year, uh, the upcoming thing is the pitch clock. And so those of us that do uh, data for MLB have not really worked with the pitch clock at the major league levels. Uh, some of us that have done some minor league work have a little bit of experience with it, but they w- were like, you need to get your hands on what's going to go on with the pitch clock. And so they give us uh, a little bit of uh, hands-on experience here during the Arizona fall league. And that means a free trip to Scottsdale for me. And uh, uh, about almost yeah, half a week, I three, four days. In uh, the beautiful uh, desert heat with no humidity, it was perfect. Just a great time. And got a chance to see college football uh, at the crack of dawn because there's nothing like a 9 a.m. kickoff. (laughs) Remember, Arizona doesn't do daylight savings time, so they're three hours behind right now. So, yeah, 9 a.m. kickoffs was just uh, an absolute blast for college football. I can see why people move out there. So you you grilled me last week on what I had off the Chicago griller. Give me what was the best meal you had because I know t- uh, out in Tempe, Phoenix, Scottsdale, there is no shortage of bad grub in that no, neck of the woods. There there certainly is not. Um, got a chance to go to uh, uh, Barrio Queen, uh, which is one of the uh, uh, one of the Mexican joints out there. It is uh, done theme wise like Dia de los Muertos, which is pretty cool. Um, spent a lot of time hopping through breweries, which was, uh, fantastic. So, uh, got to give a shout out to, uh, Goldwater Brewing, uh, which was my favorite of the, of the day, uh, on Saturday. And, uh, they had uh, barbecue there that was just to die for our buddy, Patrick Netherton, who, uh, who hosts the show pigskin and burnt ends here on the college gridiron coast to coast radio network. He's going to get, uh, my report, uh, my full <laughs> report. From uh, from the Slabstone, uh, which is just outside of Goldwater Brewing uh, in Scottsdale, that is a must must try when you're there. Michael, what's up in your world, my friend? It's a good good weekend for uh, fans of Army football. Like you said, the first win over an FBS team. It was uh, Steve. You were talking about early early college football. It's interesting getting ready f- to watch the Army game at noon to see game day. 
Uh, I believe they were in Oregon. I believe it was six o'clock local time. <laughs> sun hadn't sun hadn't even come up yet. They were in the dark. Uh, that was pretty interesting. But uh, just because barbecue is near and dear to my heart, if you've never been to the Salt Lick outside of Austin or the original Arthur Bryant's in KC, for my money, best barbecue you'll ever have. So for anybody doing a road trip, Salt Lick outside of Austin, Arthur Bryant's the original downtown Kansas City. Yeah, my Salt Lake, the best barbecue there. Salt Lake, the only the only place that has an open pit, uh, which is which is totally inside. About, inside, yes, the open yeah. pit is inside the building, and I'm I'm more partial to Joe's or what used to be Oklahoma Joe's, uh, in Kansas City, but Arthur Bryant's, you can't go wrong. I, I will correct myself when I said Army's first win over an FCS. Clearly, I'm an FBS team, Michael. So thank you for correcting me. I mean, it was a clean sweep for it. it was a clean sweep for you again this weekend, Army Tennessee. You had to go to bed feeling good on Saturday night. A couple, uh, couple biggies, big wins in terms of sizable margins. Yeah, I mean, you got with. You know, I know this is not a Tennessee show, but you got to expect with UT Martin coming to town. Uh, you know, the yeah. starters, uh, Hinden Hooker was out by middle of the second quarter. That's how. That's how it was. Fifty-two nothing. Fifty-two seven. I'm sorry, the half. So, so I got to Tennessee and Army both at noon. So I got to watch uh, pretty much all of the all of the Army <laughs> game uh, because Tennessee can get about eight drives in. Uh, for during Army's first two drives of the game. So uh, so uh, good weekend for me. I got to see a lot of good football. Real quick, uh, my my Phoenix foodie story, Steve. So I think it was the very first college football playoff national championship that Clemson was in, uh, Alabama-Clemson, and we stayed south of uh, town. I mean, it was like it's like an hour out to that stadium. I mean, it's way the heck out. Yeah, to going, to Glen, going to Glendale, oh. people don't realize that there are parts of Phoenix that are an hour away from Phoenix. And it was a solid the football hour. Stadium is one. 30 minutes to the media hotel up in uh, Old Town Scottsdale. And then it's an hour bus ride from there to get you. But anyway, our hotel down not far from the airport and right next door, a, a gas station, literally on the other side of the parking lot. A Del Taco, now, I, Taco Bell, Del Taco is pretty synonymous, but we used to have them a lot oh, everywhere here in the South. And my mom used to get, we used to have that uh, almost once every two weeks, a lot of times for dinner. They don't exist around here anymore. But there was one, a Del Taco inside the gas station that was Ooh. open 24 hours. I ate it two meals a day. Now, yes, <laughs> I found really good burritos and other good food out there, but because it was a Del Taco and I hadn't had it in so damn long, Oh man, it was good. I picked out. That was several years ago. Uh, work, s- still spending time working that Del Taco of that trip off. Let's get into the action, gentlemen. Um, again, Army, the taste, taste of the town, toast of the town, especially uh, as I'm thinking about food now, Del Taco and barbecue and everything that we just mm. talk about. We'll get into Army in just a second, but Navy opened the day at home. It was a noon kickoff there against the Houston Cougars. And we talked about last week how schizo, you know, this Houston team is. And it was schizo there for a little while because they looked like they were going to blow Navy out, but they end up getting a 38-20 to 20 win over the midshipmen. Houston improving to 4-3, and 2-1 and one in the American. Navy dropping to 2-5 and five overall, 2-3. and three. I, Second straight week that Navy's fallen to a Lone Star State opponent. But there were two sequences, guys. Now, the first one, it was in the first half. Second one in the second. Navy got lucky in the first half. Uh, if you if you were watching the game, it was 14-0, and, they, and Houston was about to go in. Brandon Campbell uh, takes a pass from Clayton Toon. He's about to go into the end zone. He's stripped, fumbles, 
Uh, Navy recovers it going into the end zone. I mean, it was about to be 21 to nothing. Navy recovered, scored four plays later on a Daba Fofana 25-yard touchdown run with 10 minutes left in the first half. They, you know, Houston, you know, they recovered in terms of, you know, they got their legs back under them. Um, second half, Navy recovers a Houston fumble and returned it to make it 21 to 14. They hold the Cougars to a field goal in the next possession. So down 24 to 14 with a chance to cut it to three. Ty Lavatai throws a pick, one of two in the game. Throws an interception with 421 left in the third. Houston turns it into seven points five plays later. That makes it 31-14 with 136 left in the third. Those two sequences were chances that Navy had an opportunity to get back in the game, but especially that sequence in the second half, when they couldn't capitalize, it was game set match for the midshipman, Mike. Hey, I'll even I'll even go back further than that. Navy's first drive of the game, five rushes, 34 yards. Uh, I think play number five, Lavatai gets sacked for eight yards. They get the first down rushing, and then right two plays later, they come back and he gets his pass intercepted. So so you're already giving Houston, you know, they score their first possession. Now you're now you're letting them control the possession game, which means you're letting them control the clock. It was the it, at the end of the game, the time of possession was about even. We've talked about this in previous weeks. Mm-hmm. The play calling at Navy just seems. It seems unbalanced. It seems out of sync. It seems out of sync. It just—it seems frustrated. There's just—it just doesn't seem smooth. It doesn't seem like Navy's offensive philosophy is being put into practice the way it has been under the Niamatololo tenure there at Navy. And, and the first possession of that game was exactly—it it was an example of what we've been talking about. And then your two examples highlighted the very same thing. I, I just don't know—I don't know what's going on—the planning, the preparation on the offensive side of the ball up there, plus Navy's defense. I'll just be honest with you that they just couldn't handle Houston. Mm-hmm. The other thing I don't understand about the play calling on defense for Navy, they were doing a lot of delayed blitzes with stunts with the linebackers. That takes like three or four seconds to get to the quarterback. You're, if you give Carson Toon three, four, five seconds to throw, he's going to pick you apart, which is exactly what he did. And the defensive backs were like five yards off the receivers, even in the red zone. Go back and look at those touchdown passes from inside the 10-yard line. Navy's guys aren't playing bump and run. They're not playing man up. They're, they're playing off the receiver. When you catch the yep. ball at the three-yard line and you've got five yards between you and the DB, you're going to score. It just it wasn't you – know, we've talked about Navy having to build momentum. Uh, they got the big win against Tulsa a couple weeks ago, and then they've just kind of – they haven't been able to build off that and, and – just uh, I, 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 for me, I, I think this loss this week against Houston. Just to me, it seems like it's on the coaching staff. I, yeah, it, it, I just a lot of questionable decisions in the preparation, the game plan, and how they executed it. And Steve, then there were mistakes too by Navy. I mean, clearly the two turnovers, a uh, lot not fumbles this time. Believe it or not, they weren't fumbles. They were bow tie, lava tie interceptions, and then you missed two field goals. Daniel Davy, Daniel Davies was uh, 0-2 uh, in the kicking game. I, you know, couple that with what Mike said, and, and and then the fact, you know, you know, DBs are playing way off. Navy cannot get a lick of pressure if they don't blitz. They cannot get any pressure at all on the quarterback. We've seen it all season. We watched it again. They literally just stand there and get picked apart. It's just what can they do in the secondary and linebackers? They've got to bring guys. That's the only way you can disrupt any kind of timing and rhythm. I, that's why I'm just like, what? why do DBs or Navy's DBs do not get up and play more bump and run, get on there and try and jam guys instead of giving them all that space because you know the quarterback is going to have time with that Navy defensive line, Steve. 
Now, the the answer to that question, Price, unfortunately, is simple. Navy's defensive backs aren't doing bump and run because they're not good enough to do bump yeah. and run. They have to play five yards off the uh, off the receiver to have a chance to try and stay with them stride for stride. Once they get the get going, I I really do think that this is this is a, a defensive backfield that is it, it's not up to par uh, for a for an Ameri- even for an American Athletic Conference. Uh, you know, God forbid you know, you're thinking about a Power Five uh, mm-hmm. team, but really they they are at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the American Athletic Conference for the most part, and so they have to play off. And and you mentioned Davies going over two. Uh, and field goals. It's lucky he was no for three because remember they also in the first half went for it on fourth down on what would have been probably around a fifty or a fifty-one yard field goal and did not make it. And that was right before the fumble that turned uh, by Houston that turned things around. Because remember at that point they had had the Lavatai interception. They were de- all right, so Navy's down seven seven zero. Lavatai throws his first interception. They take that down and get seven, and then they end mm-hmm. up. Uh, going for it on fourth down from the 34 yard line. They don't make, they don't convert Houston gets the ball back. And if it wasn't for that football, uh, that fumble, it's 21, nothing Cougars at that point. And, mm-hmm. and, and at that point you, you're just throwing the towel in for sure. Yeah, Steve, Steve on a couple Steve on a couple of those touchdown throws. I think they were all from inside the, the 20. Mm-hmm. When, when you get in the red zone, you don't have to worry about giving up a 40 yard pass because you're only 20 yards from the end zone. But so but you you're but, can't, but you're not you can't, you can't off stay, five yards. But you can't but those defensive backs have shown that they can't stay with anybody at any range. I, I don't yeah. think I, at that point, uh, you know, the, the defensive backfield is that bad that you have to try and stay off. Because in, in that case, yeah, they're not going to burn you for a 20-yard touch or uh, for a 40-yard touchdown, but they'll burn you for a 20-yard touchdown and go 30 yards into the back of the end zone. You're just getting out-athleted all over the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you're seeing just mismatches defensive line, just so small, you know, secondary, just not nearly as quick. I think Navy's linebackers, uh, you know, can go toe-to-toe with a lot of teams, but it's the secondary. And, I mean, it, it all works in conjunction together. I thought one interesting kind of subplot in the game – don't know how much it it helped. I, I certainly know it didn't hurt Houston, but uh, former Navy backup quarterback, I don't know if you guys know, Perry Olsen. He's a linebacker uh, for Houston now. He transferred to Houston, yeah, and he helped the Cougars, ran scout team, running the mid triple option uh, during the week, and kind of served as a defensive consultant during the game because, you know, he's a you know very undersized linebacker. But uh, interesting that, uh, that that was going on. So I don't think that exactly hurt uh, the preparation for the Cougars uh, getting ready for the midshipmen, especially with running that triple option that a lot of teams will spend, you know, a, a practice, sometimes a practice or two in the spring, you know, March and April, because they're not going to just try and cram it into like four or five days of prep. You know, a lot of teams knowing that they play a triple option team in the upcoming season, they will run and practice that uh, sometimes for several practices uh, in the spring, Steve. Yeah. And uh, Mike, yeah, I'm sorry, Mike, and Mike's shaking his head. So Mike, but both yeah, you, you got to earn your scholarship somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he did, and he did a, a heck of a job. I, I saw uh, afterwards uh, he, they'd asked him about uh, the preparation and he's like, I knew everything that was coming because I had <laughs> seen it all. Yep. All right. Putting a bow on Navy's 38 to 20 loss to Houston again. Now Navy two and five overall two and three in the American athletic conference. Michael's Army Black Knights roar past 
La Monroe, 48-24. to 24. Army getting uh, moving to three and four now overall. Louisiana Monroe, the Warhawks dropping to two and six. Now 19 straight low road losses for Louisiana Monroe, but the Black Knights defeating an FBS team, as we mentioned, first time this season. But, or I should say, and they play the type of second half while they were trailing at the half. They play the kind of second half, uh, Mike, that I think will carry them. I know it's a bye week this week, but that second half, the way they played, I think that's exactly what they needed in the kind of momentum that carries you into that uh, matchup against Air Force. I don't want to get too far ahead, but what a second half that was, trailing by three. I really didn't think they played you know, quite Army football. You know, They had a questionable uh, fourth and one that they went for, didn't get it. But that statement in the third quarter, outscoring the Warhawks 17-0 in that third stanza alone to build a 31-17 lead. What a second half by the Black Knights, Mike. Yeah, you're spot on, Price. And, uh, you know, that you're talking about that fourth and one at their own 13 they went for. You got to think, uh, you got to think that that was, if you're the coach, you got to want that back. I, I know what the book says. I know, I know your army and you got to get one yard and that's what you do. But you're at your own 13. So I, I will tell you, I, I think – the, the crucial point in Army's season, if Army's able to get to a bowl game, mm-hmm. look at the possession, two possessions after that. Louisiana Monroe is up 17-7. You, you, gave, you gifted them a touchdown because you, you turned it over on downs inside the 14. So they're up 17-7. You haven't started your season out well. And, they, and then Army puts <laughs> off an 11-play, 75-yard drive that takes up eight minutes, gets it to 17-14. The defense gets a stop. They go into halftime with all the momentum. They come out of halftime, field gold, interception, touchdown. They take the lead. And just like you said, you know, what, what Army's done in the past is kind of like a python or constrictor. They just they just kind of squeeze the, the, the opponent until they, you know, until they just give up. And that's exactly what Army did in the second half. But if you go back to that fourth drive of the first half, I think – that could be the, the turning point in Army season, that one drive, 11 plays, 75 yards, after gifting ULM, which is an athletic team. They're not mm-hmm. really they, – they haven't really been able to implement Bowden's system fully yet, but they have a team full of athletes. Uh, Army gifted them a touchdown to go down 17-7. That drive right there might be the turning point in Army season, uh, particularly with a bye week coming up. This week they're off, and then a big opponent, a big game against Air Force. And then, Steve, you know, that drive that Mike's referring to, I mean, the Black Knights, they score on every single offensive drive in the second half as 10 ball carriers for the Black Knights carried it uh, for 440 yards, uh, led by quarterback Jamel Jones, you know, just making his third career start, 17 carries, 96 yards, and three touchdowns, leading the way, and I'm not going to call a quarterback controversy or anything. We don't know what's, you know, Ty here, Tyler situation, but I think Jamel Jones may have earned the start in the upcoming Air Force game, not to get too far ahead of things, you know, but the way he's played in the last two weeks, 209 yards rushing, five touchdowns while averaging seven, two point, uh, seven, two point yards a carry. Yeah. And you, you mentioned uh, that they scored on, on every drive. And I, I looked at the second half uh, of that game. They, they had the, they got the interception on Louisiana Monroe's first uh, possession of the second half, took it down for points, then forced three and out, took it down for six, and then, uh, and then caused the Warhawks to go for it on fourth down and not convert and took that down for six. They did a fantastic job of taking every single mistake that, uh, that uh, Terry Bowden's crew made 
and turned it into six points, almost, almost out at will. And, you know, going back to that, uh, the drive, the fourth drive of the first uh, half that Mike was referencing on that drive, they were O for O on third down. Conversion. They didn't have a single third down on that drive. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. And for an 11 play drive to, to have zero third downs, you know that you're moving the ball well. You know, Mike, it was good to see, uh, get to see some guys back this week, too, for the Black Knights, you know, that had a little bit of time to recover. Um, you know, Jacoby Buchanan, uh, he came back in, 13 carries, 45 yards. Tyson Riley comes back with a touchdown, 12 carries uh, for 90 yards. I know Andre Carter um, still out with an undisclosed injury. He had a setback last week. I think they were maybe hoping to get him in last week. Uh, but something happened where they just, you know, they, he obviously sits out. Now you got the bye week to continue to get healthy, uh, getting ready for, you know, the big game, second leg of the Commander Chief Trophy. I thought one of the other cool things, um, besides Mike seeing some of those guys getting healthy and back out there, was, you know, former Army Superintendent Bob Caslin, General Caslin, who was there with his uh, 72, class of 72, or his 1972 teammates who were honored there in the second half of the game at Mikey. Uh, as the first team, you know, from Army to win the Commander-in-Chief trophy and just a huge embrace, you know, on TV after the game um, with Jeff Munkin was awesome. The first team to win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. I, I meant to say, the, if I said second, yes. I was, I, I meant to say. No, no, you first, said the first the, Army team, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the yeah, first the, team of the, anything, the inaugural yeah. season of the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. Yes, just yes. Just want to make sure, just want to make sure we give Army the credit that we seek. <laughs> but, to your point, but, but to your point about getting healthy, you know, there was also two guys coming back on the offensive line as well. So that mm-hmm. interior run game you saw was much more effective this week. The offensive line was much healthier and the B backs, you mentioned Riley Buchanan, they were both healthy. That was good for army to get that momentum going. So we'll see uh, Tyler and Ballard were both took a snap at quarterback. So you think that Munkin has the availability of all three of his top quarterbacks going into air force. So yeah, like, army's getting healthy and training in the positive direction at the right time plus they have the bye week we'll see what they look like in two weeks in Arlington that's why I think it's just going to be an interesting call and a lot of ways that you're going to certainly keep uh, Troy Calhoun guessing in terms of who's going to be under center with three viable options I still think that Jones may have earned uh, earn that start just the way he's played lately. But we will find out. We'll talk about it here in just a little bit. All right, moving down the line, one more game to talk about. Uh, Boise State going into uh, Falcon Stadium, getting a 19-14 to win, a big win in the Mountain West Conference race, especially in that side of the division. Boise State now 5-2 and overall, undefeated, 4-0 in the Mountain West. Uh, Air Force dropping to 5-3, and 2-3 and in the Mountain West. Boise, I think the story of this game was one thing, Boise State's defense, grounding the nation's uh, top rushing attack, limiting Air Force to just 175 on the ground. And they outgained Air Force 322 to 271 en route to the victory as they take control of that division. You know, they built, a, obviously, a 16-0 lead uh, before Air Force got on the board uh, with six minutes left in the first half, courtesy of Hazik Daniels' 15-yard touchdown run. Uh, but the Broncos came back with a field goal there late uh, in the first half. Jonah Dom's, uh, Domas had four field goals in the game. 
but you know, Air Force had a chance there at the end. You know, they get down. I believe they got it inside. It was a pass knocked down at about the six, seven yard line of Boise State with a, under just under a minute and a half to go. Uh, that fourth down pass knocked down, and then the Broncos, you know, basically able to hold off that late game threat by Air Force to get the win. A big win for the Broncos, Mike. Yeah, it just didn't seem like Air Force could could get anything going. They they had a turnover. Uh, the first, I think, uh, they didn't get a score until late in the first half. I think they went punt, fumble, punt, 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 or something like that. Uh, Air Force looked like a team that was in desperate need of a bye week. Uh, they, they, they seemed a little slow. They didn't seem very quick. They seemed a little banged up. Daniels had to go out of the game with another injury. He was only out for, I think, one play, came, maybe came back in the next drive. But the Air Force just looked like a team that needed a bye week. They looked tired. They looked a little bit slower than normal. Roberts uh, didn't have his normal power and explosiveness. Uh, Eldridge, uh, his, he put the ball on the ground twice, lost one of those fumbles. Just couldn't get to see. Just couldn't seem to get the edge uh, on any play, particularly when they needed it. I, I just think Air Force looked like a team that desperately needed a bye week, which they get this week. Yeah, Steve, I'm in total agreement with Mike. I, did, I really didn't think it – it just didn't hit me at the time, but it just – they did not look like uh, Air Force has looked like all all year. Uh, there just was something missing, and I think that's a great point by Michael. It's, it's, it, it just – you just look banged up. You looked a little beat up. You looked like you just needed – you just needed that week, you know, and, and obviously they'll get it uh, getting ready for Army. Um, but it just – a step slow, maybe, if you will. Just things were not clicking for the Falcons. No, it's, they certainly seemed to click at the end of the game. They had that 14 yeah. play drive. They got all the way down inside the red zone. They had the fourth down converted to, to extend the drive with a minute and a half to go. And remember, there was a holding penalty that negated the play. And so it ended up, ends up going yeah. from fourth and three to fourth and 13. And at that point, it's very, very difficult to try. And uh, if you're Air Force, you're, you're not going to run for 13 yards just outside the red zone on fourth down, you had to make the throw. Daniels couldn't do it. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately uh, the Falcons are unable to escape at home with the victory and they give the, the win to Boise. Yeah. Brad Roberts, a, a little un Brad Roberts, like 25 carries, 90 yards and a touchdown. He did pass John Kirshner as the all time leader uh, in rushing yards at air force among fullbacks. He's now fifth overall in rushing all time at Air Force with 2,756 yards. His 13th rushing touchdown of the season and 31st of his career also reset the program record for touchdowns from a fullback uh, while also elevating the senior up to six on the program's all-time rushing touchdown list. So uh, I know it's not the records or and marks that Brad Roberts would want. I know he would trade those in a heartbeat to get that win. But I also know that he would also let that one stand, if you will, to get a win in that next game that the Falcons have coming up, not this weekend, but the following on the second installment of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. That game going to be played down at Globe Life Field in Texas. We'll get into that one and talk a little bit more uh, a little bit later here in the show. But right now, we got to give out some game balls, our standout performances from this week. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. And college football fans, we know that you're looking for the best seats to the best games at the most competitive prices. We want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. 
We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace and with ESPN Events as their official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live and in person. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just good for a one-time use. You can use that code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with the Ticket Smarter app or at TicketSmarter.com. And remember our code, GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, use Ticket Smarter. All right, Mike, thanks for that live read from our friends at Ticket Smarter. Now it's time to give out our game balls this week. Let my man Steve Carney's going to fire first with his game ball of the week. Absolutely. As uh, I know Navy lost this week, we talked a lot about uh, the, the struggles they had on offense, but they did a really good job of, you know, trying to get to uh, two. And I know two had five touchdowns for, uh, for the Cougars, but I wanted to highlight Evan Gibbons. Uh, the junior linebacker out of San Diego who did everything in his power to try and keep this game within shouting distance, uh, 12 tackles uh, against the Cougars, eight of them solo and including uh, combining on a tackle for loss uh, for the junior uh, linebacker. So I'm going to go with Evan Gibbons from Navy to get my game ball. All right. Thank you, Steve. Mike, fire away. Price, I'm going to go with Army linebacker Leo Lowen. Like I said, ULM is an athletic team. Army's defense played really well. Of course, Army's offense gifted uh, the the Warhawks an early touchdown. Then they got one late in the game. Uh, Lowen had 11 total tackles in addition to a sack, one tackle for loss, and an interception. So Leo Lowen was all over the place. He was in the backfield. He was, uh, you know, making interceptions, uh, making plays in the running game. His versatility really uh, kind of countermanded, counteracted ULM's athleticism and allowed the offense to get past that slow start, get past that turnover of downs, and really get going. So my game ball goes to Army linebacker Leo Lowen. All right, thanks, Mike. I'm going to go – I'm going to keep it at West Point, and I'm going to give out my game ball to – Army senior quarterback Jamel Jones out of the Colony, Texas, in his second straight start for uh, Army, leading the way on the ground on Saturday with three big touchdowns, but 17 carries, 96 yards, both team highs. As I mentioned earlier, 209 yards rushing now and five touchdowns in the last two weeks, averaging 7.2 yards a carry. I don't know what Jeff Munkin will do. I don't know if he'll keep – uh, Jones is the starting quarterback, or if he'll go back to tie here, Tyler, we will all find out. But I, there's a there's an element that Jones seems to have brought to this off. I mean, he just is, he's almost like a, a you know a, um, you know a, a slot back the way he plays, and as quick as he is, we got when he got an open in the open field. I believe it was the fourth down conversion when you know he was able to get uh, outside. Just the way he runs, he just looks like a you know a slot back out there, and just. I just think he's bringing this weapon 
uh, to Army's offense right now that I love watching. But I'll give Jamel Jones my game ball this week as he leads Army uh, on the offensive side of the football as they beat Louisiana Monroe 48-24. to All right, we got a lot more to do here on this episode. We got the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment coming up next where we honor a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. We've got to preview our loan game this coming up weekend, Temple and Navy. We'll do that and give some picks and then maybe do a quick look ahead to Army and Air Force as both teams will have a bye this weekend as they get ready for the Commander's Classic and that second installment of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. But as always, we are part of the College Gridiron Coast-to-Coast Podcast Network that you can find wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. That's just to name a few. We've got an array of shows, everything to tickle your fancy when it comes to college football. We have got it at the College Gridiron Coast-to-Coast Podcast Network. You obviously listen to this show Make sure you hit that subscribe button, smash it so you can get a new episode brought to your smartphone, iPad, device, wherever it is that you listen every single Tuesday as we come to you during the college football season with a new episode every Tuesday. But as I said, an array of shows, Florida, Pac-12, I mean, you name it, we got it. Check us out online at College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, wherever it is you get your podcast. All right, when we come back, our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment, honoring fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. We'll be right back here on Yards and Stripes. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, if not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you, too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. Now it's time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor and remember a fallen hero, one that has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And this week, we're going to honor remember Air Force Major William R. Watkins III. Nicknamed Salty, Major Watkins was a weapons officer on an F-15E Strike Eagle when it, where he died on April the 7th, 2003 while flying a combat mission into Crit, Iraq in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Watkins was one of two officers killed when the jet went down along with pilot Captain Eric Doss of Amarillo, Texas. He was assigned to the 33rd Fighter Squadron based out of Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in North Carolina. Watkins, born December 17, 1965 in Danville, Virginia, he always dreamed of flying, according to his uncle Jeff Haley. He also wanted to sail the ocean, perform on stage, sing in the choir, play football. He was also a big Jimmy Buffett fan. Watkins attended Wood. Barry Forest School near Orange, Virginia, where he played football, sang in the school choir, and was active in drama. Quote, he was a big fellow, but very artistic, said Edward Blaine, who taught Watkins senior English at Woodbury Forest School. He went on to the United States Naval Academy, where he graduated in 1989 and then served 12 years as a flight officer in the Navy. But in 2001, Watkins transferred from the Navy into the Air Force in order to be near his wife, Air Force Major Melissa Watkins, who was an intelligence officer. They had a son together and also another child on the way when he passed away on April the 7th and back in 2003. Quote, the average American will know him as a war hero for his family and friends. 
we knew him as a hero in other parts of life, as a great dad, a family man, a brother, and a friend. That end quote from his uncle, Jeff Haley. The Travis Manion Foundation honored Major Watkins through the Character Does Matter program presented at the Naval Academy Summer Seminar and their STEM program camp for rising 11th graders. Watkins is survived by his wife, Melissa, their two children, his mother, Amy Atkins, his brother, Barksdale, and his sister, Mary Garrett. And we take the time to remember uh, heroes like Major William R. Watkins III and many others that we've talked about this year and also on past seasons of Yards and Stripes because, as we all know, freedom is not free. Many, many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands, put their life on the line every day as a member of our armed forces to protect us and for our freedoms. And this month, Operation Legacy is ongoing with projects across the country as part of the Travis Mannion Foundation, which you can check out online, travismannion.org. Operation Legacy brings veterans, families of fallen heroes, and TMF supporters together through local service projects. And Operation Legacy, it unites these communities with volunteers living in under the If Not Me Then Who ethos and leading a movement of character, leadership, and selfless service. If you'd like to get involved or support the Travis Mannion Foundation, again, check them out online at travismannion.org. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. As always, we appreciate our friends at the Travis Mannion Foundation. Again, check them on out online, travismannion.org. All right, time to look ahead to this coming weekend. But real quickly, before we look at this weekend's game between Temple and Navy, I'm going to tell you about our friends at betus.com. As you know, this college football season over halfway over. Guys, don't shed any tears here. I know that a lot of people get upset when you tell them it's over halfway over, but you know that you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on, like BetUS. Did you know that BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for more than 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base, customer base quickly and securely? We want to give you your shot to check out BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have with our shows from the College Great Iron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. People, let me explain. Put 100 bucks in, get an additional 125 to play with. 200 that gets you 250 and so on. And BetUS also has the NFL, the Major League Baseball postseason with the World Series on tap, the NBA, which is now underway with their regular season, the NHL, any sport you can think of or wager on, BetUS has it. Regardless of the sport, we want you to be with us the rest of this season on college during the college football season and beyond. Check them out at BetUS.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. All right, let's look ahead to this weekend's game. And the two and five Temple Owls coming to Annapolis, Senior Day homecoming in Annapolis against the two and five midshipmen. 
as I mentioned, in Annapolis this weekend, a place where Navy has lost their last two senior day and homecoming games. And actually, they're one in four in their last five homecoming games in Annapolis. So Navy, with identical identical records overall, two and five, getting ready to host the Temple Owls. And let's just face it, guys, a team that's not very good. This is going to be a 3.30 kickoff on CBS Sports Network. The last I've seen, Navy is giving almost two touchdowns, 13 and a half points. Over under is 40. Guys, a two and five Navy team that has not played well, lost two in a row, is giving 13 and a half at home. I think that tells you all you need to know about this one. As as I mentioned, uh, Navy, this is their senior day, homecoming. This is They're the only team in the FBS this season that will not play a home game in the month of November. The Mids have two neutral site games playing Notre Dame and Baltimore, then obviously Army and Philadelphia, and then two road games at Cincinnati and at UCF, in addition to a bye on Thanksgiving weekend. It marks the first time since 1988 that Navy will not have a home game in the month of November. Gentlemen, take it away. This looks like a mismatch on paper. I think that's what it's going to be on the field, Mike. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, it looks like a mismatch on paper. That's why it scares me. And here's the reason: if you're Navy for the first time all season, you're too, well for the exception of the first game against Delaware, but the first time all season, uh, minus the first game, you're two touchdown favorites. You got homecoming, senior day. Uh, the the pressure is on you. Temple, uh, you know, doesn't expect to go to a bowl. Temple doesn't think they're going to bowl. You know, you kind of have that expectation in the Nia Matalolo tenure. You're mm-hmm. at two and five. You got UCF coming up. You got Cincinnati coming up. You got Notre Dame coming up. You got to think the pressure is all on Navy here. The expectation is for them to win. They, you know, this is a must win for them if they want to have any hope to get to a bowl game. So, you know, that that kind of scare it kind of scares me when you have a team in that situation we'll see how navy responds they're going to respond in one of two ways either like a cornered caged animal and they're going to fight really hard uh, or they're going to crack under pressure with the way navy's had turnovers and penalties this season i just if i was a navy fan i would be a little concerned about this game the good news is that the temple temple's quarterback ej warner is not clayton tune okay Uh, he's got i think he's i think he's seven i think one for one td to interception ratio seven to seven that that's not good when you have a quarterback uh with a one-to-one interception to touchdown ratio they do pass it a little bit more than run they're not a very good run team and their run defense is not very good so uh, we've been saying this all season if navy will just stick to the basics Mm -hmm. run the ball and not turn it over, they should be able to get out of homecoming senior day with a win, get to three and five, and keep their bowl hopes uh, on life support. Steve, he mentioned E.J. Warner, the son of former NFL great Kurt Warner. He's completed 109 out of 201 passes this year for 1,236 yards. But as he mentioned, even Steven, when it comes to touchdowns and interceptions, seven touchdowns and seven picks – this is going to be the 17th all-time meeting uh, between these two teams, sixth time as American Athletic Conference foes. Series is tied uh, eight apiece. And Navy defeated Temple last year 38-14 to in Philly. And then uh, two years ago during the COVID year, 31-29 to in Annapolis. But one thing, one common denominator in this game for uh, the Temple Owls, Steve, is, is the sack department. They only give up, I think they're third in the country in sacks allowed at uh, less than a sack a game. They're .6 sacks allowed per game. But they also are second in America in sacks 
uh, per game by their defense at four sacks a game. So that's something in terms of getting to the quarterback and protecting the quarterback. That's something that Temple and this Owls team does very well. Yeah, they get to the quarterback well, but if Navy plays the way that Navy is supposed to play, and yeah. we've said that now <laughs> the last couple of weeks, you know, when when Navy plays Navy football and they and they run the football, it's very hard to sack a quarterback that's turning around and handing the football to a to an up back or or, or running the option. Uh, and I think that's what they're going to need to do. You look at the Owls. Owls give up almost 180 yards per game on the ground. Mm-hmm. So you you have to be able to run the football against this team. It'll do two things. Number one, it'll make sure that those uh, linebackers and the defensive linemen aren't sacking Ty Lavatai. And, and number two, it's going to keep EJ Warner on the sideline. So he's not going to be able to try and throw against Navy's defensive backs. Uh, I think that that's going to be the big, uh, the big turning point, the the fulcrum, if you will, for this game is can Navy control the time of possession like a triple option team should be able to do so? If they're able to do that, I think they're going to have no problems with Temple. I mean, you look at some of the uh, the uh, shared opponents here this year. Uh, you know, they both have played Memphis. Memphis won both against both teams but it was 24-3 against Temple, and it was a little closer with Navy. And then Tulsa, uh, Temple lost 27-16. Of course, Navy beat uh, Tulsa mm-hmm. 53-21. So this should be a, a two-touchdown game if, if things go the way that they are supposed to go. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, Mike, and, and he talked about controlling the clock, but the one other statistical category, if you want to look at it uh, statistically, There's one other category that Temple is top 10 in the country in uh, besides sacks allowed, uh, sacks slash TFLs. The other category is third down conversion defense. They're 10th in America right now uh, in giving up just 29% of third down conversions. And as we all know, when you run the triple option, there is going to be a host of third down opportunities in this game. Can Navy convert on those? Navy just said, for those scoring at home, they're 56 in the country this year at converting a 41.2, uh, or excuse me, 41.4 of their third down opportunities, Mike. Well, I, I think if you're a Temple fan, you know, you let UCF put up 70. So maybe the reason they're so good at third downs is because they don't face a lot of third downs because the yeah. teams don't need third downs. But yeah, that, that's another reason why if I was Navy, you know, I'd be a little bit concerned because again, if you're the Navy offensive staff and you're game planning for this, if you see that, what are you going to be tempted to do? You're going to be tempted to get away from what you do so that you don't have third and three, third and four. And you're going to go back to, uh, you know, a, a, a not a not a basic play that you run, not one of your go to plays. Maybe maybe you're thinking about, well, let's let's let Lavatai pass a little bit more. It's just good. I, I think if they I think if they look at that, and they overthink it, that they're going to they're just going to get away from their identity. I, I really think all Navy needs to do is pick the six core plays they have be back up in the middle. A back right, A back left, quarterback right, quarterback left. Run those five plays over and over and over again. Three yards and a cloud of whatever that fake stuff is in the grass these days. Uh, <laughs> rubber and pellets. just wear, yes, yes, three yards and a cloud of rubber pellets. And just uh, wear Temple down. Get out of this with a 24-14 win. Go home and get ready for Cincinnati. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with Mike, uh, especially. 
uh, when he said, you know, you, you may try to get to a point where you, you end up looking like you're trying to outsmart yourselves. And, and I, I, you see that a lot. You've seen that a lot with the middies this year, you know, trying to make uh, Ty Labatai throw the ball more than, uh, than you should with a, with a normal triple option offense. You're trying to outsmart yourself and, and you, you tend to get yourself in trouble when that happens. So I agree with Mike completely. Get the five or six best plays, you know, go student body left, student body right, uh, like we used to in the old college football video game with, uh, with the 1968 USC Trojans, uh, and, and just run the football, pound the rock, as, as John Gruden liked to say. If there's ever a time not to get cute, it is this week for the midshipmen. Again, 3.30 kickoff on the CBS Sports Network on Saturday. Navy giving 13.5 over under 40 as the Temple Owls come to town. All right, guys, let's just take a quick peek ahead. I know Army and Air Force are off uh, this weekend, getting ready for that Commander-in-Chief showdown. Uh, second installment, uh, it's going to be down at Globe Life Field in Houston, Texas, the Commander's Classic, uh, second straight year that game has been played down there. Uh, you know, obviously Air Force licking their wounds uh, to a degree after losing to, uh, to Boise State. Uh, and then Army with the second half just, you know, really throttled uh, Louisiana Monroe, had the perfect half to kind of go into the bye week, feel good about yourself as you get ready to take on uh, Air Force, you know, just real quick, Mike, what do you think, um, you know, in terms of going into the off week, your biggest thing is you're letting some guys get healed up, rest up. Uh, but if you're Troy Calhoun, if you're Jeff Munkin, you know, what do you spend that? What is this week spent on? You get back to the fundamentals, kind of working on just what you do, what you do before you start game planning next week. Yeah, sure. You know, Army's going to try to get healthy. This is because they play Navy on the so late in the season. Army generally has two bye weeks in the season. Mm -hmm. This is their second bye week in four weeks, so they'll they'll continue to get healthy. They should, for the exception of, um, for the exception of of one offensive player, they should be uh, fully healthy going into the Air Force game on the offensive side. It, like most coaches, Munkin doesn't get specifics, and quite frankly, it's two weeks out, so mm -hmm. you know you, you don't really know. But, but both Ballard, both Riley and Buchanan played, both Ballard and Tyre Tyler played. Uh, the offensive line was much healthier this Saturday, so that they'll look at that. You know, they'll the coaches will do some recruiting this week. The players will look at a lot of film. They'll come back. They'll probably instead. I, I think. Most coaches tend to install the uh, install the game plan on Monday, uh, just as a normal work week. I think if you're Army, maybe you do. If you're the coaches, want, you know, on the off hours when you're not recruiting, uh, you might scheme up a few plays. You'll look at Air Force's defense and say, "Hey, what what wrinkle can we add to to get a big third and four conversion or a big third and seven conversion when we need it? What's our two best two point plays? We gotta get some new ones because Air Force, both these teams know each other. Uh, they know the plays. I think if you're Air Force, you're a little bit more constrained." You want to make sure that Daniels and Roberts are healthy. Both had nagging injuries. Again, Air Force has played eight straight weeks. So you, Air Force got the schedule is a little bit tougher for Air Force. Generally, most coaches like bye weeks a little bit earlier in the season because what a lot of fans don't remember or realize is that you have all that summer, summer camp, fall camp that leads right into the season. So really, if you look at the schedule, Air Force is on eight straight games. But in reality, uh, you know, they're really on week 12 or 13 straight without a break because they, they go straight from fall camp into the season. So they probably need a little bit more rest. 
uh, and their coaches will, will be out on the road doing the recruiting as well. And they'll come back uh, Saturday afternoon. Most coaches do, you know, they'll, they'll hit the Friday night games of some of their key recruits. They'll come back in on Saturday, watch the games and then go straight into to getting the plan together. They'll, they'll put it on a Monday. I think if you're, I think if you're air force, you're probably just working on fundamentals. You're not looking so much for wrinkles because you think you've probably got the, the better athletes and the better team. I think if you're army, I think you're probably game planning a little bit. You have to think a little bit more. You got to figure out how you're going to do it. But, you know, early in the season, we thought this was going to be air force's game to lose. These mm-hmm. two teams are kind of, uh, you know, I think I don't know the Air Force is on a downward trajectory, but I think Army is getting better. So I think Army comes into it with a momentum. You know, last year Army kind of upset Air Force there at Globe Life. So w- I think it's going to be an interesting game. W- we'll see. I- I- I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to watch the game and to be there uh, and-, and see it for the second straight year. And Steve, as Mike's saying, uh, you know, uh, no pun intended. I don't, I don't think the Falcons are necessarily flying high. You know, where they were a little bit earlier in the season, right when they were. Uh, really soaring, uh, but just after what happened last week, uh, you know, to Boise State, to just kind of, I don't want to say lifeless effort, uh, but coming off the loss and in the way that, you know, armies, we, they seem to be improving, especially the second half. Our last, uh, the last time we saw Army, especially in that second half, it just looks like it's evened out a little bit. Maybe, maybe evened out as much as that first half did in this game where the teams were, you know, uh, you know, it was zero for zero. It was zero, zero at halftime, right? Uh, and the last game played down at Globe Life uh, Stadium, but it obviously really, the fireworks picked up in that third quarter. And as we all know, that last installment went to overtime that saw Army win 21 to 14. Uh, but this time, you know, uh, it's same thing. It's a chance for Air Force to go out there and clinch this thing, the uh, Commander in Chief Trophy, if they can get a win. Steve, of course, if you're uh, if you're Army, you're trying to put a stop and put a sock in it pretty quickly. Uh, so you've got uh, the Army Navy game to play for in the very end of the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. And you uh, you definitely want to go back and check out our episode where we actually had uh, Jeff Munkin on here on Yards and Stripes uh, in episode four, I believe. Um, and I asked him about what it's like having an, having a bye week at a service academy as opposed to being just a head coach at, a, at another school, how things are, how things are different for him uh, at, at a bye week. So definitely check out his answer for that. I was very, very uh, intrigued uh, by that. But as Mike mentioned, the, you know, the uh, assistants are going to all be out uh, doing a lot of recruiting here this week. There will be some self-scouting. That is done by the staff as well as they get ready for this game against Air Force down in Arlington. For me, I look at where Air Force is going into this game. They are not where they want to be. Not, not, not in the least. You think about it. They, they go into this game having lost two of three uh, with dropping a game to Utah State. And then, of course, with, uh, with last week's game against Boise. And, yes, they, got, they beat up UNLV in between. But you're going into this game with a with two weeks to get ready to try and take this bad taste out of your mouth. And and if you're Air Force, uh, and if you're the and if you're the Falcons coaching staff, you know I I'm I'm kind of curious to see just how they handle uh, this week. Uh, I know that the guys are gonna the the players are gonna try and use this week to try and get healthy. Uh, the coaching staff it would not be surprising to me if they do try and. At, at least because they know that Army's got this week off as well, you can try and and start putting in your scheme, or at least devising the scheme here during the week, and and not wait for the weekend uh, to try and 
start putting things together. I think you could probably start Thursday or Friday getting things ready to give to the players uh, on Monday. And I, I think that they're going to use that uh, extra 48 hours or so to try and make things work uh, this week, because you're right. Uh, the Falcons, this is, they've got everything to play for here. You get this win and you're taking home a commander in chief trophy. Yeah, we'll get into this game even more next week as we preview and give our picks for Air Force uh, and Army at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. The Commander's Classic, the second installment of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. Excited for this one once again. All right, I want to thank our, our friends at the Travis Mannion Foundation. I want to thank Ticket Smarter. I want to thank our friends at BetUS for supporting uh, the podcast and the College Gridiron uh, Coast to Coast Network, uh, the podcast network that we're a part of. Again, check out all our shows. Download, listen, subscribe. You can go get Yards and Stripes there. Uh, Spotify, if you're an Android user, you can download the Spotify app on your phone. If you're not an Apple user, uh, download that Spotify app and then just search uh, Yards and Stripes or College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You will get us in a whole lot more outstanding content as we barrel through the rest of the college football season. But, gentlemen, appreciate it. Great job tonight by my friends, my co-hosts, my guys, Mike Lovell, Steve Carney. I'm Price Atkinson. We will talk to you next week. Good luck to Navy this weekend against Temple. But more than anything, we are going to be licking our chops with that second installment of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy just around the corner. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we will see you next week. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy Football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.